I have a hard time watching that video. It's good, but man, it was powerful. God really moved, and uh, my hope, and I mentioned this last week, but my hope and my prayer is that every part, every single person in our church catches the same passion and excitement, and you saw all that. Sometimes they were dancing in animal costumes. Sometimes they were worshiping God and laying their life down, and it all happened at the same place. It was amazing. Uh, and all of this happened on that college campus at NTS camp. It's amazing. And yes, we are planning on going back next year, so be watching for that because uh, my hope and my goal is that we're taking double who we took this last year. Uh, we took 20. I'm hoping for 40, so let's get going right now, all right? So let's be praying about that, seeking that. It's going to be awesome. Uh, God is good. So uh, thank you for being here. I want to put one more plug in. Matt mentioned it already, but the Summer in the Park event is going on tonight at Kilkenny Park. And uh, we had a phenomenal time last year, and people came out of the woodwork. People heard about it at the swimming pool, and so people showed up, and they all came to the, to the park, and they got Kona Ice and all kinds of stuff, and we had just hundreds of people come to the park, and we had a blast. And so uh, hopefully you guys can be there, because here's the deal, and I will just say this, and then I'll get off my soapbox. Actually, I'll get on a different soapbox, but uh, you understand. Uh, but let me just tell you this. If you're not at the park tonight, other people cannot experience our church because our church is not a building and it's not an event. It is you. And if they don't experience you, they have not experienced our church. So you must be there. I know you might have plans. Change them. It's fine. <laughs> it's no big deal. But seriously, uh, all that to say, like, if you can be there, if you don't have anything going on tonight, uh, or if you can, you know, shift things around or whatever, just be there. I know it's just a fun event, but it's fun and it's amazing because people get to know who we are and who our church is. And so I hope that you guys can be there. We're going to have a blast. And yes, I'm going to have cone ice and it's going to be awesome. All right. Um, so uh, there's this pastor named Pastor Robert Morris. And he tells a story of a time when he went to the Philippines on a missions trip. And uh, on this missions trip, Pastor Morris was up front speaking to a bunch of pastors on this mission trip in the Philippines. And they were, they were underneath, like huddled underneath this tin roof building. I can't remember if he said there were walls on it or not, but they had this tin roof. And while Pastor Robert Morris was speaking... Uh, the rain started to fall, started to hit like really, really hard. It was just, you know, all this stuff. And as you can imagine, the tin roof, it was like, you know, all this stuff. And so he was speaking, but the pastors could hardly hear him because they're in the Philippines and they don't have all the different, you know, technology, all kind of stuff. And so they could hardly hear him. And so Pastor Morris, being a man of great faith, decided, I'm going to stop right in the middle of my talk, and I am going to uh, pray that God stops the rain. And so he stopped right in the middle of his talk, and he said, God, if you would just stop the rain so that we can continue, that would be great. Well, as soon as he was done with the prayer, the rain started coming harder just hit just i mean they thought it was hard before i mean and imagine a tin roof like it was now so loud that he could hardly talk it was so loud nobody could hear him and so pastor morris being a man of great faith he's like i believe in prayer and so he said let me just pause again and so this time he was really clear he said in the name of jesus stop the rain and you know what happened 
The rain came even harder at that moment. I mean, lightning, thunder, pounding on the tin roof and just hitting. And he, no, nobody could hear anything. And so what Pastor Robert Morris did not know was that even though he was praying a very powerful prayer for God to stop the rain, the Philippines had been going through a severe drought and they had been praying for quite some time for God to send rain. And so his prayer was going against thousands, if not millions, of other prayers from the people in the Philippines who desperately needed that rain. And so Robert Morris kind of figured out eventually what was going on. Nobody told him, but he figured it out. And he said, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. So let's just pause and thank God for the rain. And they did. So prayer is a funny thing, isn't it? It's interesting what Susanna shared. Because today we're going to continue our series called Cross-Training by talking about prayer. We're going to talk about something that is so powerful. We're talking in this series about how do we, how do you, how do I, how do we as followers of Christ build spiritual muscle? How do we strengthen, how do we deepen our faith in this life. Well, today I want to talk about one of the greatest ways that we strengthen our faith, and that is through our connection to God, which is through prayer. Now, I'm going to be honest this morning. Uh, this week, probably the hardest aspect of just kind of getting ready for this sermon was determining which scripture to use to talk about prayer. Because let me tell you what, from cover to cover in God's Word, Every ounce of this book hinges in some way, shape, or form on prayer. I mean, it's all through here from cover to cover. When people needed guidance or strength or encouragement or direction or help, prayer was the thing that they turned to. They turned to requesting that from God. And so I was like, man, what scripture? Because there's about a thousand different places we could go. And so what I want to do today is I'm going to actually take you a whole bunch of different routes of scriptures that deal in some way, shape, or form with prayer. And so what I want to do is I want to remind you of three things about prayer today. I want to give you three reminders, three thoughts uh, about prayer. All right? So first one is this. Pray first, not last. Pray first, not last. Now let's be honest. Sometimes we think of prayer as the last resort, don't we? When we've tried everything, when we're like, let's get an extra job to make the ends meet financially. Let's go get a third job. Let's go get a fourth job. When we are having struggles at work, we go to our boss and we talk to them and we kind of try to figure this out and we write down ideas or we Google how to deal with dumb people at work or whatever you Google, right? And we go all of these different routes to try to figure out what we need to do. And the last thing then we're like, you know what? I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to pray about it. In fact, you guys have heard of the type of prayers that we called Hail Marys. There's two meanings in those Hail Marys, right? Hail Mary, yes, I get it in some traditions, but you know what a Hail Mary is in football. It's when it's like, this is the last resort. We're going to just heave the football down the field, and we're going to hope for the best. We're going to throw up to God a Hail Mary. I've got nothing left, so I'm going to throw a Hail Mary. 
What a terrible mentality for prayer. What if we actually looked at prayer as being a proactive and attack and aggressive thing and not a last resort thing? What if we looked at prayer as we need to use prayer to seek and run after and go after God's heart first before we ever realize that we need it? Before you ever get to the bottom of the barrel, before you ever have that bad day where you think all you can do is lay your, your needs and your life before God, what if we went after God before we ever realized we needed Him? What if we prayed proactively? Now, as you would imagine, Jesus exemplifies this in Scripture. And so Jesus, uh, we find in Mark chapter 1, Jesus and the disciples have just finished a massively long day in ministry. They've been figuring all this out. They've been healing people. Jesus has been casting out demons. How many of you know those kinds of days, casting demons out all day long? Okay, maybe not. But they were doing ministry all day long. In fact, one of the verses right before the verse I'm about to read, it says, after sunset, Jesus healed many more people and cast out many more demons. And so they worked late into the night. But just by anybody else here, anybody else have to work late into the night sometimes? Anybody else? Okay. A few of you. I know sometimes I do. Sometimes everybody goes to bed. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a couple more things done. Right? Jesus and the disciples have been working crazy. They're physically and emotionally exhausted. And I want to read for you what Jesus does the very next morning. Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 35. Before daybreak, which means before the sun came up, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon, that's also Peter, and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. In other words, Jesus, why did you go to this isolated place? People need you. And, and Jesus, I, I, you know, Jesus, I'm sure, is kind of like just shaking his head and like, you guys don't get it yet, do you? Now, I want you to notice that Jesus got up before the sun, before everybody else. Remember, he's physically tired. He's emotionally exhausted. They just had one of the biggest days of ministry they've ever had the day before. And most of us humans, I know what I tend to do. You know what I tend to do when I'm physically and emotionally exhausted? I set my alarm for later. I, I want to sleep in. Anybody else with me on this? Teenagers in the room? Right? I want to sleep in when I'm tired, not Jesus. What did Jesus do? Jesus got up before the sun got up. He gets up before everybody else. Why? So that he can get more work done, knock out a few emails. That's not what Jesus got up for, did he? He got up early and went to an isolated place to do what? To pray. Why? Because he knew he needed to connect his heart, his soul, with his heavenly father. Because he was exhausted. Jesus knew something and knows something that we all need to get. And that is when you're physically and emotionally and psychologically and any other, any other way exhausted, the best thing you can do to replenish all of those things is the source of power. And I talked about this two weeks ago. 
which is your soul. Your soul is what powers you. If your soul is empty, you won't be able to draw any power. If your soul is being filled by God, then you'll have limitless power and energy. It's true. And so Jesus knew this. And so when he was exhausted, he needed to find passion for his soul for the day ahead. He knew it was going to be another long day of ministry. And so he needed passion for his soul. And so he needed God to fill his soul. And so he started the day with prayer. And so what I would say is, if you have a hard day coming up, start with God. If you just got off of a week that was really hard, some of you did, I know, start with God. If you have a decision to make that's coming up, a place to move or a place to be, or maybe you're considering a career move, or some of you just graduated and you're considering college, some of you have it worked out, some of you don't, some of you are trying to figure out what job you're going to have, before a major decision, start with God. Pray first. Before you get angry at somebody, or when you're angry at somebody, pray first. Before you say something out of anger, pray first. Before you respond to that post on social media that you do not like, trust me, pray first. In all seriousness, people have ruined their very lives with one post. You guys know this. Pray first. So when I started in uh, ministry, uh, I worked under a lead pastor named Steve Norby. And so the truth is, sometimes we as people, we don't realize how powerful God is in every sphere of life. We kind of put God in a box. We put God like in the church box. And so, okay, we're gonna, it's Sunday, so we're going to go to church, so we're going to think about God today. Right? But then tomorrow we have to go back to work and we're like, well, God doesn't have a place at work. Let me just destroy that mentality right now. Okay? So I worked under this lead pastor named Steve Norby. Well, he was called out of a different career into ministry like I was. I used to be a teacher. You guys know that. He was a 3M engineer. He worked for 3M and he was an engineer. He created machines for 3M and they did this in the health department. So they, like when a doctor or a hospital had a, a problem to solve that people would, that they would run into with patients and they needed a machine to be created to solve this problem, they would go to 3M and Steve Norby was one of the guys that would actually create a machine that would do what they needed it to do, which to me, by the way, just blows my mind. I'm like, how does somebody even do that? I don't even know. I, I can't even fix a machine, let alone create one, right? But he would literally design these machines. And so he was given this particularly difficult project one day, and Steve just struggled through it. He's like, man, he's, you know, he'd sit down and he'd try to draw schematics and be like, okay, the pump could go here and this could do that. But he was really struggling and he could not figure it out. And he struggled and he struggled and he struggled. And so finally, Steve, being a man of faith, he was a man of faith long before he became a pastor, he decided, you know what? I just need to pray about this. I need to have God give me the answer to this problem, this project that I'm working on at work. And so Steve prayed. Now, I can't remember if it was that night or several nights later, but one night Steve went to sleep, and in the middle of his sleeping, God gave him a dream. Yeah, weird, but that's what he did. 
God gave Steve a dream, and guess what? In the dream, God actually gave him the plans and the schematics for the machine that he needed to design. Some of you are like, that's crazy. No, it's real. It's true. I've heard this story from him. And so next morning he gets up, and what does he do? Well, he takes the dream that he got, and he draws the schematics. He figures out the, you know, kind of works out the details, and he's got this schematic for this machine. And he goes in, and he takes it to his direct supervisor, and he hands it to him. And his supervisor knows he's been struggling with this. And he hands it to his supervisor and says, hey, I I figured it out. This is the machine that we need to build. And the supervisor takes a look at it. He's like, Steve, this is pretty amazing. Like, how in the world did you come up with this? I've never seen anything like this. He said, you don't want to know. Uh, Just trust me, it's going to work. And the supervisor said, no, I trust you. I believe it's going to work. But Steve, no, I really want to know. Like, how did you come up with this? And Steve's like, no, you really don't want to know. So just let's build the machine. And he said, no, I really want to know. And so Steve said, all right. So I believe in God. And I prayed about it. And God gave me a dream. And in the dream, God gave me the plans for this machine. Guess what? They built the machine, and it worked perfectly. Some of us in here believe God is only over certain parts of life. You're wrong. You're wrong. You don't think God is over your finances? Oh, He is, and He knows better than you. He can do a spreadsheet and a budget way better than you ever can. You don't think God is over your workplace and can help you figure out the projects at work that you have or that coworker that does drive you insane? How many of you have a coworker that drives you nuts on a daily basis, all right? Yeah, you think God has something to say about that person at school or at work or (laughs) in your family? (laughs) that drives you crazy? Yes, God has something to say. And let me tell you this, God knows better than you. He does. He's got wisdom and grace and plans and all kinds of purpose for your life and for theirs. And so what we need to do is we need to realize that the only thing that we need to do is go to God and receive the connection and the direction that he has for you. He can actually help you with your work. And you'd be like, well, I make widgets. Good. God will teach you how to make widgets even better and lead people to Christ in the process. I promise you he will. He will. Because God knows everything. He is over every aspect of life. And so if you catch nothing else, make sure we get this first one. Pray first, not Last, go to God before everything else because he is over everything. All right, let's go to number two, second reminder. Second reminder is we need to pray honestly and humbly. So Jesus, of course, illustrates both of these very, very well. I want to give you an example of the first one uh, of praying humbly uh, with one of his well-known parable stories. And uh, I'm going to read this. I'm going to pause after the first verse because I just love what it says there. It's Luke chapter 18. I'm going to start with verse 9. Then Jesus told this story to some. Notice who he's telling this to. 
to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Now, just pause for a moment. Who is Jesus speaking to? He's speaking to people who have too much pride and they think they're better than everybody else. Okay, that's a really fancy way of saying it in Scripture, but that's what it's saying. Jesus is speaking to people who have a self-inflated view, the people who walk into the room and be like, man, I'm awesome, and I'm glad I'm not like everybody else here. That's who he's speaking to, which, by the way, we all have that problem at times, including me. So listen to what he says. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. When we approach God in prayer, we better do it humbly. There's a reason why prayer used to be, almost all the time, used to be prayed like this. Or like this. There's something very humbling about getting on your knees before God. If I was going to be really honest, this makes all of you, some of you, not all of you, some of you uncomfortable that I'm on my knees. You're like, that's weird. I need you to stand up. Some of you are weirded out right now. You know why? Because our world does not surrender. It is weird to see somebody lay their life down. It is far more normal to see everybody saying, I'm awesome. I'm going to get mine. And you are going down. And so this goes against our sin nature that says, surrender. God's way, your way, ahead of mine. When it comes to prayer, we need to humble ourselves before God. But we also need to be honest in our prayers. Some people pray prayers and they're not honest. They're not brutally honest in their prayers. I love uh, what scripture says about David. You guys remember what God says about David? That David is a man after God's own heart. Now, let me ask you this question. You guys already know the answer to this question because I've talked about David so much here at Northridge. But was David a man after God's own heart because he was perfect? No way. Man, that guy messed up, right? No church in the world would hire David with his resume. He committed adultery, and then he committed murder to cover it up. How many of you like, huh, well, that sounds like that was a bit rough season, but I'm pretty sure you're redeemed now, right? Right, David? You're good now? Like, you're not planning on doing that again, right? No, it wasn't because he was perfect. David was a man after God's own heart because he was brutally honest with his prayers. I want to give you an example. Psalm 
13 is a prayer written by David to God. Just listen to how brutally honest David gets. David writes, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But then notice how David switches here. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. I don't know about you, but that's some brutally honest prayer. God, what are you doing? Where are you at? How long are you going to leave me like this? Forever? Did you notice that he said that? Forever, God? Because it feels like forever. And then he makes a demand. He says, turn and answer me, God. How many of you, if your kids come into you and say, Mom, give me dinner now. How many of you are like, oh, yes, dear, coming right up. I know if I'm making dinner, I'm not saying that. I'm like, you'll get food when I make you some food. Enjoy your life. <laughs> right? But David approaches God, yes, humbly, but also brutally honest and saying, God, what are you doing right now? Some of us, I think, are a little scared to be honest with God in our prayers. Can I give you a newsflash? God already knows what you're thinking and feeling anyway. So you might as well be honest with him. In fact, let me just say it this bluntly. Stop playing games with God. Because when you're playing games with God, the only one who definitely knows you're playing games with him is God. Sometimes we don't even realize it. So be honest. If you're angry, be honest. If you're sad, be honest. If you need help, be honest. If things are going amazing, be honest in your thanksgiving. Be honest and humble in your prayer. And by the way, you know what? One of the greatest things that prayer does, I don't know if you realize this, but when you pray for something, pray, prayer changes things around you. I don't know if those of you that are prayers, you know this. When you pray, things change around you. And what you notice is people change around you. When, when we pray for people around us, I see change things happen in people around us. But can I tell you one of the most powerful things that prayer will change? Prayer will change you. One of the biggest reasons why God wants us to pray is because he wants to change you. And so we've got to be humble and we've got to be honest. All right, last reminder. You guys understand, man, I could spend so long on each one of these. Like, this is deep stuff, prayer, and, uh, but we've got to keep going. All right, third one is this. We've got to pray first, not last. We've got to pray humbly and honestly. And then this last one is we need to pray often. 
need to pray all the time. All the time. You guys already know which verse I'm going to quote probably. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Susanna already quoted another one that said essentially the same thing. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Another translation says pray unceasingly or without ceasing. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Never stop praying. Pray all the time. This is our connection to God. And we need to remember now, some of you are like, how am I going to pray all day long, like without ceasing? So you go to work and be like, Jesus, help me in this board meeting because it is going to be boring, right? Or help me when I pray, when, when you ever, I, I've brought this up before, sometimes you might present something to the room at work and there's the one person that always has 27 questions even though you gave the project really clearly, they always have 27 questions. It's almost like their job in life is to make everybody else annoyed, right? And so what I would say is pray for that person. Pray for them. When you have somebody that drives you crazy or that you're really angry with, pray for them regularly. You know what I find when I run into somebody that I can't stand or that I'm having a problem with? I find that when I pray for them, now does it happen automatically? And I say, Lord Jesus, help Matt. He is just, those, that, that announcements today, they were just rough. So God, just, just help him to be better. I've never prayed that prayer, Matt, so you're good. Until just now. <laughs> but it's okay, you're in the room, so it's not gossip. <laughs> right? When, when I pray for somebody, when I have a problem with something, I find when I pray them, as soon as I pray that prayer, and I'm like, oh, man, I feel so much better. I'm so good. I love them now. No, sometimes it takes a while, especially for the, some of the worst stuff. And so pray for them because it'll change you and it'll change your mindset about it. But I want you to remind something. When it says pray without ceasing, it does not mean that you're saying out loud something to God all the time. Oh God, as I walk down the hall to get that thing from the copier, help me to grab it well. Oh God, as I walk back, help me to take my steps well and not ruin the carpet or whatever. Like we think of pray without ceasing as this weird, like we have to pray out loud on stuff. Remember that prayer can be by yourself and it can be with thousands of people. Remember that prayer can be verbal, out loud, and it can be silent in your head, in your heart, and in your soul. Remember that prayer can be long, or prayer can be one sentence or a couple of words. Prayer can be anything as long as it's honest and humble with God. Prayer doesn't have to be the spoken word ending with amen every time. Pray without ceasing. Pray all the time. Never stop. And by the way, let me just mention this. Uh, we have opportunities to pray with and for people all the time. So a lot of people, like, they think that prayer is weird and they don't want to do this. But let me just say this. Uh, when somebody has a birthday or an anniversary or a special event, you know one of the greatest things that you can do for them? Pray with them. I know some of you are like, I'd, I'd really rather just eat cake. You can eat cake. 
I love cake too. I love dessert. I love presents. Like, it's great. I love all that stuff too. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying in that moment, in these whatever moments there are, and even just pull them aside if you're like, it's going to be weird because everybody's there. You don't have to do it in front of everybody. In fact, it might be better if you don't. Just ask and pull off, off to the side and say, hey, could I pray with you? God, thank you because they're awesome. On this birthday, remind them that a year is just a year, but they are special. How powerful is that? Give them another amazing year, God. This, this next year to their next birthday, would you bless them? How powerful is that? Pray before your family goes out for the day. Before everybody goes to school and work, pray together. It can be 30 seconds. And some of you are like, we don't have 30 seconds. Get up a little bit earlier. Pray in the car on the way to wherever you're going. Car time is great prayer time. Turn the radio off. You don't need to hear the banter. <laughs> did you hear what the dog did in Nevada and that one person telling random jokes? I listen to the radio too. I'm not saying it's bad. But why do we just, we crank it up because it's in the morning and we're like, coffee, turn it up. What if instead of starting the day with needless banter and jokes and news, let me tell you, we should not start the day with news. I think there's a reason we have a mental health crisis, and it's probably because we're starting with news. Some news is good. A lot of news is bad. Just negative. Pray. Pray all the time. In fact, I want to just mention this before I kind of finish up here. Uh, but our church has three brand new things that where how you can engage in prayer. Uh, so one of those is we actually just starting it today. So Nick and Marie are going to be in the back. So we're starting a prayer team so that after service, what here's what we find. Uh, there's a lot of times, and you guys know this, you guys pass me on the way out, you know, on the front doors, all that stuff, and after a message, it kind of usually stirs things up, and we sing worship songs and stirs things up, and it brings emotions in it, and it reminds you of what God wants you to do and all that stuff, and so a lot of times people realize they need prayer for something, but nobody wants to pray right there, right, with everybody passing and all that kind of stuff, like, hey, would you pray for me, you know, I'm, I'm just greeting everything. And so what we have done is we have started a prayer team, a person from each gender, man and woman, who is willing to pray with you in person before you leave after each service if you want that. You don't have to do this, but if you would like somebody to pray with you, we're going to have a prayer team of people that are going to be here after services to be able to pray with you about various things, whatever it is. You just tell them what you want you know, them to pray for you about, and they're going to pray for you, and then you can go on your way. Prayer is powerful. And yes, we're starting that today. Nick and Marie are here. They're ready. They're going to be in the back of the, just go to the back of the gym. They're there. Just ask them if they can pray for whatever you want them to pray for you guys about. They're prayer warriors. One of the most special things we do is Christmas communion, where families come together in a room, and we serve communion, but then we pray for people in person about all their different things for that year one of the most special things that we do. 
A, th- a second thing that we've done is, uh, is we have this card there, and this kind of will tell you this. We're starting an intercessory prayer team. So if you think of, like, that's a strange word, intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is very simply when you pray on behalf of somebody else. You intercede on their behalf. So it's when you're not necessarily, and by the way, you can intercede on your own behalf, so you can pray for yourself. That's intercessory prayer. You're interceding on your behalf. By the way, this is really cool. Did you know that Scripture tells us that God intercedes for you? God prays for you. Isn't that cool? Have you ever wondered where that prayer goes? <laughs> it's right there. God's praying for you, but it's coming back to Him. So that's, that's just kind of weird, but it's kind of cool, right? But God intercedes for you, and so we're starting an intercessory prayer team, and, and what we are asking is, if you guys want to be a part of this, now understand that since Northridge started, our staff has been our intercessory prayer team. So when you guys give us a prayer request, our staff either prays together as a team for that sometimes, or we pray each individually for you by name for that request, whatever that is. We get requests all the time, either through our website, through Connect Cards, or whatever. And so we have been interceding on your behalf since Northridge started. So this has already been happening. We're just inviting a lot more people into it. And so if you were interested in that, you have this interest form. It looks just like this, right? It looks like the Connect card, but it's a little bit different. And, and, and just so that you know, some of you are going to be scared of this. I get it. If you are at least slightly interested on in maybe doing some more prayer and getting involved in prayer in a more intentional way to pray for, pray for other people, this is not you signing up for the next 15 years and you're going to get emails with prayer requests, uh, you know, until you die, okay? That's, that's not what you're signing up for. All you're doing is you're saying, I'm at least interested. I want to at least talk about it. Even if after you talk about it and you say, no, that's not for me, that's okay. But if you're even slightly considering or interested or feeling that God is calling you to do this, fill this out, drop it in the connect card box or the offering box or whatever, hand it to Pastor Nick, whoever. We'll take care of this and we'll reach out to you and we'll figure this out. Okay, And then the last thing that we uh, have already done, this has already started, we have a digital prayer wall on our website. We just started this. And let me just say really quick, Leah, Nick's wife, so you know, we, got, we did all the rebranding and everything. You know who rebranded and redid and reworked the entire website? Leah did all of that. She has spent hours on hours on hours on hours. Now, our staff has spent hours on all the other rebranding, all this stuff, but Leah did all the website, and she she has done a phenomenal job. So when you see her, say thank you to her. Uh, But one thing that she added was a digital prayer wall. So I don't know if you knew this. I didn't know this until Leah did some checking into this, but we have around 450 different people that visit our website from around the world every month. And what we know is those people need prayer. Every person needs prayer. I need prayer. And so this digital prayer wall is an opportunity for you at any time in the middle of the night, if you want, to go on there and send a request in, and we'll be praying for it. So I encourage you, no matter what you do, make prayer a regular part of your life. Now, to finish up, you kind of wondered why, like, it's been sitting here the whole time. You're like, why is the lamp there? Did he forget? How many of you wondered if I forgot? Yeah, Nick did. Thanks for being honest. Thank you. See, my staff's honest with me. I appreciate that. Uh, Mainly, actually, I think he just knows, yeah, Brent's crazy, so I just need to let him know. Um, So it's cool. So uh, I have the lamp here. So let me just ask you this question. What is a lamp designed to do? What's its purpose? 
Shine light, right? Yes, it's good if it's designed well and it looks nice on a table, right? I know, especially you ladies, you're like, make sure it looks good. And by the way, this is Laura's favorite lamp in our house. I'm just kidding. You know what she said when I brought it out? She's like, I really wish you would have let me choose the lamp. That is a terrible lamp. That's what she said. Just letting you inside of our family. (laughs) We have a lot of fun. The lamp is designed to shine light. Now, the power grid, the electrical grid that sends power to the lamp is huge, right? The power grid represents God. But unlike a power station or a power grid, you can't have a blackout. God never blacks out. God does not like not send power. God is limitless and always there. So there is a limitless source of power. The lamp represents you and me, followers of Christ. You're a lamp. Yay! You're a lamp. You, whether you agree with it or not, you might be here and you're like, no, I'm not. Doesn't matter whether you believe it or not, God knows the truth. You were designed, if you are a human being and you are breathing, you're alive, you're here, you were designed to shine the light of Jesus. Whether you accept it or not, that's what you're designed to do. That's your whole purpose in life, is to shine the light and love and grace and forgiveness of Jesus to a world that desperately needs it. You are a lamp. You're supposed to shine the light. The problem is, in order to shine the light, you need what? You need power, right? So obviously, the only way to have power is to connect to the power source. What does the cord represent? It represents prayer. God is always there. The electrical grid is always there. The lamp is always here. But the lamp will shine no light unless it's connected to the power source. How do you connect to the power source? Through the cord, which is prayer. If you're not praying, you're not shining because you're not connected to the power that God has for you. So my question to you is, will you pray? Will you pray first? Will you pray humbly? Will you pray honestly? And will you pray often? So that you can do and you can be exactly what God wants you to be. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, We always need to be reminded of how powerful prayer is and the connection that we can have and that we need to have with you and to you. There may be somebody in here who has pretty much never prayed in their life. I pray that they would start. There may be people in here who used to pray, but then maybe some rough things happened and they feel a little bit like David. They're like, God, what are you doing? Are you going to leave me in this zone forever? 
And so they got angry and they got bitter and they stopped praying or praying for the most part altogether. I pray that you would remind them that they don't have the power. They're not connected to you. And so they're not going to feel and experience your power and presence and grace and forgiveness in their life unless they reconnect with the power source that is always there, always available, but we need to choose to connect with it. And maybe there are people here who they pray all the time, but maybe they've gotten into a rut. Maybe they pray the same thing over and over again. Maybe they've, they've started to lose their passion for praying with you and listening to you. I pray that you would help them realize that that is their connection to a power and a grace and a, and a joy and a peace and a forgiveness that is always offered to them and that all they have to do is reach out to you, connect to you. Help us to be people, a church of prayer that is powerful. Remind us that the battle All the battles we face can be won ahead of time if we simply go to battle in prayer. That we can battle by going to prayer with you. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to have a relationship with you. We ask this and we pray all of this. In your name, Jesus. Amen.